This is the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reid and Luke Moulton. This show is lovingly put together for small business owners by small business owners to get practical ideas about attracting more customers more often. So, if you're serious about building your business, strap in for the ride. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Luke. Lukey, Lukey, Lukey. How are you, Timbo? Here we are, mate. We are, episode 80. Welcome back, listeners, to uh, episode 80, Small yep. Business Big Marketing, as we go to air, Australia's number one marketing podcast. Got to love that, on the iTunes store. Do indeed. Lucas. Timbo. This would be your last full-time show episode. It, it is my last official show. I might be uh, making a few cameos, though, hopefully in the future, Timbo. Insert sad music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Liam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you will, mate. That's why I'm not getting too... I'm not going to be over-emotive. Not too maudlin. What's that mean? Maudlin. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's a big, uh, big word my father used to use. The listeners love the your use of big words and technical knowledge, <laughs> but we'll come to that. Timbo, big episode today. We've got Massive. David Allen from Getting Things Done, and if you haven't heard of David, David uh, wrote a productivity book called Getting Things Done uh, and published it back in 2001, so it's been over 10 years. He's sold over a million copies. It's been translated into uh, over 30 different languages. Some would say it's become more of a movement uh, than just a book, Timbo. It's got well, a massive uh, following. So mentioned the word religion in the interview. <laughs> Very excited to, he, he uh, would to talk be, to David. He's like the Bono of productivity. Oh, yeah. He's the George Clooney yeah. of productivity, isn't yeah. he? He's, he's the Oprah of book clubs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, he's a good guy and, and was absolutely, uh, he spilled the beans on productivity. And we also talked to him about, because he, like one day he wrote a book and the next thing he knows, as you say, it's become a phenomenon. So it's yeah, uh, interesting to hear. It certainly wasn't overnight. He had no. uh, had, had a career in, in coaching before that. But um, yeah, twenty five years. Let's not spoil the story, Timbo. 20, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> but it was it was, a, it was an overnight success that took twenty five years. <laughs> exactly. Huh? Yeah. Exactly. So uh, great yeah. guy. And uh, let's get into that interview. Looking before we do, what we will do after that interview is we'll emote. We'll get a little bit sad and share some some of the many, many emails that have come in from listeners. Yep. They've come out of the woodwork. Oh, it's been, absolutely it's been come a, out of the woodwork. It's been a very heartwarming response. To correct, him, correct. There's been so, lots of uh, lovely emails and, and, uh, and tweets. Uh, so thank you. Thank you very much for your well wishes, everyone. And, and there's been a few people that uh, want to um, take my seat before the seat's cold. Uh, you know who you are, Clodagh. <laughs> there you go. Hello, Clodagh. But um, you know what? Um, yeah, no, we'll get stuck into that after, after our interview. For the first time, listener... They will be going, well, what are what's, these boys? What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? What's yeah. all this love in the room? We've been doing small business big marketing for three years. We tonight, have, And, uh, yeah, this is my last official one. So, um, that's anyway, what, we, that's won't, what it's all about. we won't dwell on that. We'll uh, get into hearing about uh, from David Allen. Excellent. Over to David. So, David Allen, welcome to Small Business Big Marketing. Happy to be here, guys. Thanks. David, um, I ha- I was talking to some colleagues over the last few days, suggesting, uh, telling them we're, we're going to be interviewing you. And just last night, uh, I caught up with a friend. He said, oh, David Allen, uh, he-, he changed my life. And uh, I said, tell me more. His name, this fellow's name's Glenn. He said, tell me more. And he said, uh, well, he had an event coming up where he had 2,000 people and he was deadlining on it. And it was, it was, it was a huge event in his mind and, and a huge event physically. And he had a meltdown, and he ended up finding himself lying on the couch eating hot chicken out of a bag. 
and 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 he I've said someone. I, I, <laughs> I think we've all been there. <laughs> and and he said, um, I said, oh, and so where does David Allen play into this? And he said, well, uh, someone sent me uh, the the getting things done audio, and uh, it pulled him out of a deep deep mire and uh, turned the event into something very special and turned his life around. So um, clearly you're onto something. You know, I just talked to a guy um, this morning, uh, Dan Rome, who wrote Back of the Napkin and who's a big GTD or fabulous book, by the way. And he was talking about that, that his brain has been on serious creative overload over the last a uh, week or so, he's been waking up in the middle of the night with gazillion ideas. He's, you know, he's he's with a lot of us. What a lot of us deal with, which is the stress of opportunity. So he said, "Make a long story short." He said, "Let me just go get GTD. Let me go get the book." And just you know, one thirty in the morning, and he just opened it up in some random spot and started reading it. It's like, ah, so <laughs> it really is sort of the I Ching. You know, just just have a problem, have a question, uh, close your eyes, open the book point to a paragraph and see what happens. I, I, I'm sort of bemused myself. I, you know, it kind of surprised me that, that I may have had, you know, some some responsibility in creating something that, that could be that useful in that sort of ad hoc way. So, cool. Nice to hear that. It's a great story. <laughs> David, for for uh, for those in our audience who may have been hiding under a rock for the last 10 years, can you, can you um, introduce GTD to them? Sure. Uh, I just, uh, <clears throat> I didn't make up anything. I just began to recognize what are the subtle and actually they get into the sublime areas of best practices we all do when we line up and what gets us lined up. We've all been in the zone before. We've all been there where time disappears. We've all been where, ooh, I'm, I'm on. And then we get off. So understanding what on is, what off is, how to recognize that and how to recognize that there's actually a, a a, a, a defined bulletproof methodology that when you find yourself off, how to get yourself back on again into those spaces. So that's what I've done over the last 30 years. And boy, I would, I, I'd get my eye teeth if I'd been able even 10 years ago to be able to say what I just said the way that is. So understanding that that's really what I've done. So GTD was just a recognition of those best practices. What do we do when we get things on? Well, you know, it comes down to a series of not a lot, but some pretty significant behaviors that are all very different kind of behaviors with different tools that are required for them. But when you work all those together, uh, boy, it, it takes you to a whole different landscape in terms of how to stay on top of the world. When you when you say on, David, what do you mean? I mean, the times when you would say, you know, this is the state of mind that I'm the most productive in. You're focused, you're balanced, you're relaxed, you are inspired. You've, you have an internal sense that, that what you're doing is meaningful in some way. You're making perceived progress. You feel like you're in the driver's seat of your life. Actually, you don't even think about all that. As a matter of fact, you don't only think about all that to describe the experience. When you're in the experience, those those that's just a way to describe this sort of existential thing that's going on when you're there. So that's what I mean by on. Everybody's been there. Everybody knows what it is. One of the ways you'd recognize it is to think back in the, in the, the, the most significant or traumatic crisis you ever had in your life. And then how did you respond? Mm -hmm. And there's a fascinating thing that crisis creates a kind of serenity because decisions become obvious 
and necessary to make in the moment. And you have no choice. No choice. You must decide what this means. It, you know, right or wrong. And some part of you shows up and, you know, time disappears. So it, it's almost like the state you get in, in, in crisis, that you are highly productive because you're highly focused. You're highly, um, you, you access resources that you never knew you had. You make intuitively driven decisions that are brilliant. And, you know, you, you couldn't, you couldn't have tried, you couldn't have planned it. You know, it, it showed up from some invisible source inside of you that you were able to tap because of some configuration that lined up inside of you because of the, the need. Somebody's sitting underneath a car, you know, you're, uh, somebody's got to be rushed to the hospital, you know, some traumatic accident happened. So if you think about, well, gee, how much more productive could you be than being in that state? The problem is that that state produces a lot of negative consequences called a lot of adrenaline rushes in the body. You're going to have to then get a hangover from, uh, you know, not, not a lot of fun. But the truth is that that state can actually be reproduced before a crisis forces you to. God, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool to be able to walk around and go, wait a minute, I'm not in my zone right now because I got 6,000 unprocessed emails. I have a thing I'm avoiding sitting on my desk. I have this phone conversation. I had this voicemail. I don't know what the hell to do with it. But what GTD did and what I have discovered over all these years is how do you take all that and then actually get that off your mind so that you have the same access to the same kind of resources you have when a crisis forces you to clean up? Gotcha. So don't wait. It's not about waiting for the crisis. It's about um, this is a system that allows you to bring in uh, all those resources um, that come naturally when a crisis happens. Sure. Actually, you know, the, the, the most fertile um, and receptive audience to GTD and what I teach are people in significant transition times in their life. Hmm. Uh, they just got divorced. They just got married. They just bought a house. They just got promoted to a whole new level of responsibility and accountability and overwhelm and ambiguity that they never even conceived that they deserved before, but now they're in it. Or you just decided to start your own business. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine that. You know, so imagine that, right? Or your kids just, you're having a kid, or all your kids just left for college. And by the way, those transition moments are when you'll find out where your systems, in other words, your systematic approach to how do I sort of maintain a sense of cruise control in my life, those get blown apart, you know, holes poked in them, weak spots, you know, show show up. And at that point, you go, wait a minute, you know, I've lost a sense of flow. You know, I'm out of flow. I'm, I'm, I'm in some level of stress, ambiguity, confusion, whatever. So that, that's probably the, that, those people at those situations are the people most ripe to, to do an uptake on what I teach. Though you can teach what I'm teaching to your 10-year-old so that they'll know this as a state of mind and as a, as a best practice process. Just one tick, David. I might just go and get my 10-year-old. He's downstairs. <laughs> no I'd love that. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. If you're familiar with GTD, is there anything in there you couldn't have learned some version of it and a way to apply that to your 10 or 12 or 14-year-old life? There's nothing there. What? No, there's nothing, nothing. And, and Luke knows, GT. Luke, you've got a question for David? Oh, no, look, I, I, certainly what you just said, uh, David, resonates highly with me. I've just got back on the GTD wagon. <laughs> did you fall I, off it, did you? I, I did. I fell, I fell way off the GTD wagon. And um, I am just getting... By, by the way, how did you know that? What, so describe to me why, how you knew that was true. 
how I knew I fell off the wagon or how yeah. I knew to come back to it. Because he hadn't shaved for three weeks. One. He was dribbling, David. <laughs> Either one. I mean, what, why did you think something was off because you were experiencing what? Um, I basically started managing a reasonably large team of people and I was finding I was just getting absolutely snowed under and unproductive. Um, so I had to, I had to rediscover a system to allow me to deal with, um, to deal with all those to-do items, uh, and, and to help me manage people. But see, you're falling off the GTD wagon. You may have been very much on it as much as you needed to be on it to take you to where you needed to go. You just had life just suddenly throw you a curveball and said, wow. I hadn't really done GTD to the way I needed to do it, so I'm just trying to give you a little bit of self confidence here. Oh, hey, you weren't too, you know, you weren't off. You just suddenly got a piece of feedback and said you hadn't taken this to the next subtle level you needed to take it. Yeah, no, very, very true. So, how could you have done that, Luke? (laughs) Seriously, like you know, you were overwhelmed at a point in time. So, what? So, how? Well, I'll ask you, David. How could Luke have done that? How could he have, have, have? looked out of the because when you're in that mist that 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 kind of haze it's pretty hard to sort of say to yourself you know i need to lift it up to the next level uh well you just have to be you, you just have to raise your standards so you don't feel you don't allow yourself to be addicted to haze yeah okay i'm telling luke to raise his standards all the time so um... <laughs> to, to myself no come on guys the, the, the biggest barrier to entry to what i'm talking about and what this is about is the fact that you are so accustomed to a level of stress in your life that you don't realize there's a, there's another place to be, and so you're not uncomfortable enough to fix it. Right. If the good fairy showed up and disappeared, everybody, everybody listening to this right now, if the good fairy showed up and disappeared, all your emails, your whole backlog of emails, everything in 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 your email system to zero in ten days, you'd have pretty much the same number you have right now, because it's not about your volume, you know, or or it's really about how comfortable or uncomfortable are you with unprocessed, potentially meaningful things lying in your environment. My, my comfort zone is zero, by the way. But some people will let themselves have 30, some people 300, some people 3,000, some people 30,000. And we've met people who maintain those as a consistent basis of unprocessed backlog of slush in their psyche. So I just raised my standard and called, hey, wait a minute, guys, I hate that. I hate that feeling. So for the same reason I brush my teeth and take showers, I empty my in-basket every 24 to 48, maybe 72 hours if I'm on a real roll. Um, and I do a weekly review of once a week, go back and, re- and, and reconnect with every single commitment I've got at every level that, that has my attention at all to make sure I've brought up the rear guard and I'm current with all that stuff. And I know what I'm not doing right now. So... That behavior, which is, those are a couple of the hallmarks of the real GTD practice, you you will only do those behaviors when some part of you feels uncomfortable with the results of not doing them. So what happens, Tim, you just got to the point where the haze just got so uncomfortable. So all you have Mm -hmm. to do is raise the bar, how how soon can you start to recognize haze again? And do you know the process that we need to do to get rid of the haze? So, David, can you can you tell our audience about that process, the, the process to getting to GTD Nirvana? Sure. First thing is just capture everything that is not on cruise control. What's got what? Where is there any tension or attention in your life? In other words, what's on your mind? There's a whole lot of strategic, critical, important, wonderful, beautiful, fabulous things that are not on your mind, 
And the reason they are is because where they are and the way they are is cruise control as far as your own values and what you're about. So you're not concerned about your plumbing as long as your plumbing works. And it's a fabulous thing. And it's very strategic. You're not concerned about who's on your staff as long as they're fat, you know, they're the right people doing the right jobs, the right thing. So there's a lot of very important strategic things that will not yank your chain. So the first thing you need to do is identify what's yanking your chain, what's on your mind, quite simply. And then what's on your mind, the reason it's on your mind is because there's it's something about it that's not on cruise control. So the next two steps of the GTD process call, okay, now let me clarify what that thing means. Why is that on my mind? Oh, okay, here's, is there some action I need to take about that? Is that just information I need to, you know, in other words, I need to clarify. So the first thing you have to do is capture. Second thing you have to do is then clarify exactly now what does that mean? Why is my mom on my mind? Oh, because her birthday is coming up. Right. So the second thing you need to do is, okay, now identify that's a thing. How do I want to get mom and birthday off my mind? Well, then you need to clarify, well, what exactly are you going to do? Are you, is there something you're going to do about it? What's your commitment about this? So that's the second stage, which is clarify what that means to you. Then once you decide that, you need to park the results of that thinking in appropriate places. What's the project? Okay, park that somewhere that you keep track of project. What's the action step you need to take? Park that somewhere where you keep track of the actions you need to take. And then step four is step back and make sure on some consistent basis, as consistently as you need to, take a look at what those commitments are in terms of outcomes and actions so that you trust ultimately, you know, stage five, when we start to engage called what you're doing and what you're not doing, that comes from a trusted place. So that's, that is the GTD process. Hmm. That's interesting. I was um, I was doing some some research this morning. I was actually watching an interview you did, David, with uh, Robert Schobel, and and I looked out my window and I saw um, I have a, a fairly large hedge in in my garden, and I looked at it and thought, you know what? I've been thinking about this for ages. I'm just about to interview David Allen. I need to get that down into a list and get that thing trimmed. There you go. So where what did you do with it? So first of all, I put it in my list, and I then thought, hang on, how long is it going to take me to fix this? Um, I've been thinking, you know, do I have to get out there and do it myself? And I hate doing it. I hate doing it. So I opened the yellow pages, and I found a, a, a guy who trimmed the hedges. yellow pages? <laughs> really? I didn't even Google it. Was, was this 20 years ago or this morning? <laughs> and, and I called a guy, and he said, no worries, I'll be around next week to give you a quote. And it's it's off my mind. It's like a, it's a weight off my mind. I thought you looked lighter this morning when you walked in. <laughs> David, um, clearly, because um, one of the things we hear from um, our listeners is there's three problems that small business owners have, lack of time, money, and knowledge. You address the lack of time. You find time for people. Um, one, one, of the, one of the things I loved uh, in listening to a, a keynote you gave, uh, which I found on iTunes, was um, this concept of you may well be buried in projects, um, but you'll have nothing on your mind. Um, and so what you're doing is you're not removing the projects. You're giving people the ability to have, and, and tell me if I've got the terminology wrong, because I must say GTD has certainly created its own language, but um, this concept of just being able to take on as many projects almost as you like, but you'll have nothing on your mind. It's an interesting concept. Yeah, well, you can only be optimally productive if you're optimally present. Mm-hmm. If you're living in the past, worrying about something that happened, or in the future, called concerned about what needs to happen, would, could, should, relative to where you're going, you are not fully available to your kids, to your dog, to the to cooking dinner, to your spouse, to whatever the heck you're involved in. Mm-hmm. So the whole point is here, if you want to be optimally productive, you need to create appropriate engagement with 
whatever you're about. So, you know, I'll, I'll do a little digression here, but it really is to answer your question, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Um, getting things done is not about getting things done. So here's the Zen of it. Yeah, okay, give us that one. <laughs> Everyone get quiet then. Yeah, getting things done is about being appropriately engaged with your universe. It's just that if you're here to get things done, and if some part of you has a commitment to get things done, you damn well better be getting things done appropriately and be appropriately in order to be appropriately engaged with it. So appropriate engagement may mean I need to decide, you know, trim hedge or get, you know, hedge trimming onto cruise control is a someday maybe. You might need to move that to that category. In other words, not get it done in order to get current and present. Uh-huh. So, okay. so, so it's really about creating appropriate engagement with what, with what all of your agreements are. That's why this can go from very mundane to very sublime, very fast. What's your agreement with being a human being on the planet? Why are you here? What commitment have you made to, to be doing what? So, you know, all that, all that stuff about, you know, purpose and principles and all that stuff. That's actually, it's only as real as it is, as it is real to you. But if it is real to you, you better deal with that. Otherwise, that's going to be on your mind and pulling in your attention and your energy. So, you know, so when you, sorry, I just ran down a, a, a rabbit trail and forgot what you originally well, no, what, It's interesting because clearly you understand how the mind works. And um, one of the things I find myself doing personally is that I'll know that something needs doing. In fact, I know that lots of things need doing in my business. Um, and what I do is I keep going back to them in my mind. So I'll go, um, I need to write that marketing strategy for a client today. Uh, and then three hours later, I'll say to myself, I'll need to write that marketing strategy for the client today. And then what I'll do is I'll go, Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll put it on a to do list. Okay. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll highlight it. Actually, I wouldn't highlight it. I used to do that when I was at school. I don't highlight things anymore, but I'll get it on a to do list and I might, might break it down into two or three things. Um, but it's still going around in my mind and, you know, I, I remember you saying in a speech, this keynote I was listening to, you know, the mind isn't there to continually remind us. It's there to acknowledge that something needs done and moving on. So where, where does get things done break that? Well, it, the reason your mind is doing that is because it doesn't trust there's a system that will. I mean, how many times has it popped into either of your guys' heads where you need to be at 3.30 uh, a week from next Tuesday? Probably not. Today, probably not at all. Why? Some part of you trust you have the appropriate data put in the right place and the behavior set up to look at the right thing at the right time. So your brain gets to go, ah, I don't need to keep track of that. So that's why I say the only thing that's on your mind, all those things that are on your mind about all those things is simply because some part of you is trusting your psyche instead of a system for remembering and reminding. And that sucks. So I don't know how long I'm going to talk about this. You know, it took me 66 years to figure it out and probably the next 60 to, to, to try to convince the world that your psyche is not your system for that. And if you keep a calendar or a diary, you, you've already demonstrated your psyche is not the system for that because otherwise you just you go, I don't need to keep a calendar because my psyche can keep track of all of that complexity. <laughs> yeah, good luck. So anybody who <laughs> complains, they say, well, David, you, 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 you're voting for too many lists. I go, then throw away your calendar. Don't be intellectually dishonest. Either your head's the place to hold it or it's not. I'm sorry, guys. There's no halfway in between. 
Yeah, yeah. So the only reason you kept being, you know, your your cage kept being rattled by that was simply because some part of you didn't trust that you'd made the right decisions about it and parked the des- results of that decision into a trusted place. I just figured out what that algorithm was. I don't get rid of the, I don't get rid of the challenge. I don't get rid of the 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 work you need to do. I just get rid of the fact that your psyche, you know, <laughs> I get rid of the stuff that then prevents your psyche from being fully available to actually appropriately engage with that and not stress out the whole rest of your consciousness. Gotcha. So what do you you think the biggest friction points are for people who want to start, I guess, the GTD methodology? You know, boy, I get that question regularly, and I I don't know that I still have the right answer for that yet. is it just it's, is it just a matter of saying suck it up and get on with it? You know, just just try this for a week and see what happens. I, to your I'll life. give you my answer because I'm I'm the guy you've used it. I haven't, and my friction point is that it's like to, to take on GTD when you've already got so much on is like that's another thing I've got to take on, despite the fact that it's going to probably solve my problem of having of overwhelm. It's like, but because mm-hmm. I, I I look at GTD right now and go, you know what? It's probably really good. A million people can't be wrong, but um, it's like I'm going to have to learn it, and I haven't got the mind space to learn it right now. And I think, David, you do touch on that in in your book. You you suggest that people set aside a day or two out of their lives to actually. So that freaks me out. Start start <laughs> start start this system. Yeah, no, that, that, but, you're right. It's like how do you how do you break code, you know, in terms of your comfort zones to to do that? And it's the same thing with exercise. Exercise is a little more graphic. You know, look, you don't have to go run a marathon if you've never even walked around the block. You know, give yourself a break. You just need to, how about I just get up and put on my gear and and, and, and go for a, a brisk walk every morning. So in the GTD, you know, sort of analogy, you say, well, okay, look, what of this can I start to do more of? And pick something that might be strategic for you. Hey, maybe I just need to clean up all the crap paper around my desk, you know, and my, and my office area. And just put, and make some sort of order out of that, given the, the GTD model. And that may be enough to just simply get you started. You know, look, hey, that worked. Pick one or two things. So I think the real key, and we're learning this, that's one of my learnings now, because I don't really know how to train and, and teach. That's not my area of expertise. So, you know, it took me 25 years to figure out what I, had 20, what I figured out. And, you know, the next 25 years is trying to figure out, okay, how do I build this into an educational model that can, can transmit this to people? And a lot of what I'm learning is, look, one step at a time. You know, G, you read GTD. I mean, that, that truly, you guys are, are very accurate. I think that that's a lot of what freaks people out if they look at it and go, oh, my God, this is way too much to do. The truth is, you, if you really look at it, it's nothing more than what you're going to do anyway. It's just do it on the front end instead of the back. You know, ultimately, you're going to have to capture everything that's on your mind anyway somewhere. You know, ultimately, you're going to have to figure out what a project is you're committed to somewhere at some time. So there's nothing in this process. That's why this is not like some new technology or some new language that you don't even have in your vocabulary. It's just reminding you of what the, the best practices that work. But taking the time to reconfigure both the systemic way that I'm managing this stuff and to build in some new physical habits. You know, one of the biggest habits for anybody to change is just get stuff out of your head as soon as it's in your head. And man, that is that takes two years for even the best to change as a habit. You know, when you walk into the hall or you wake up in the morning, you go, oh, I should, would, could, or oughta, 
Or when you said, look, this idea popped in my head, it popped into my head again. Damn, boy, for me, that's the instant clue called, Jesus, David, write this down. You teach this stuff. <laughs> I do that regularly, believe me. You know, you should hear myself talk. So I we're, going to talk, we're going to talk about how you market GTD shortly, David, but um, as you're talking, it pops into my head that, um, and maybe you do it, but uh, here's a free marketing idea, which is to have a, do you have download days or, or GTD stop days where for those people who are on the cusp of either having the breakdown or actually taking on the system but have a blockage because they've just got too much on in their head, if you thought about having like a... Um, yeah, it's like a, a GTD stop day where it's like this is a day where we stop and we download everything and you're going to walk out ready to take on the system. Well, I reckon that it, that should be an international day. <laughs> yeah, international yeah, no, day it's yeah, yeah. And, and it's a great idea, guys. And we actually were doing uh, sort of a minor version of that in GTD Connect, which is our online you know, um, membership program people can, can hop into. And there we're doing... You know, that sort of a Kelly, Kelly Forrester, who, who manages all that brilliantly, is creating, you know, times to walk people through weekly reviews and do sort of the 14 the day challenge, you know, and things like that. So we're giving people the excuse and opportunity to actually just stop and do some of these very simple and, and obvious kind of behaviours that you need to do. You could, just, just to market it and package it up in an interesting way, you could hold it in a padded cell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or just go, go, go arrest people. You know, just, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Come flag. with me, sir. You're uh, coming Stop. to a GTD handcuffs. You know, throw them in the paddy wagon. You know, and and throw them in a room and give them a big legal pad and a pen and a pen. Go download. You know, we'll let you paint your heads empty. I have been thinking about doing a GTD intervention for Tim here, so but, um, I think that'd be very worthwhile. I hope it, was, it was one of my questions actually. What 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 coaching programs available for GTD? Because I could, could imagine it would actually it would certainly help me to have someone perhaps with a um, maybe a small to medium sized stick um, regularly following me up and, and helping me with GTD. No, it's great. That, and so over the last five years or so, we've developed a virtual coaching program, so you can go online. You know, to our website and, and get Meg or Julie or some of our other folks who are doing one-on-one coaching over the phone. And we've discovered we, it, was, it was unknown to us whether we could really do it or not. But now with the technology, with GoToMeeting and whatever, we can share computer screens and things like that. It's actually actually very, very powerful. So that's a, that's a way to do it without having – obviously, you can – you know, you want to hire me for a year, you know, for 10 days of my time, I'm available. You know, so – We've had people do that. So that's one. 500, 500 bucks a day, David? Uh, <laughs> to, to talk. Yeah, maybe. Okay, okay. I might take you up on that. Uh, I love that. Well, hey, now, could we um, – I'd love to talk a little bit about the marketing um, of GTD because um, way back in what, – what was it? 2002, so, you wrote a book called Getting Things Done, Yeah. 2001, yeah. 2001. So you wrote wrote this book called Getting Things Done. Was that a way for you to, at that point, just share a system? And I'll I'll give you a a very brief backstory. I've started writing a book today, okay? So, and and the book, the book is actually a process about branding. And I'm looking at that going, gee, I'd love it if that all of a sudden um, took off and became a series of workshops and webinars and online coaching forums and all those types of things. But right now, I'm writing a book, which is a system systemized process for small businesses to create a brand. So in 2001, you created, you wrote a book about a systemized process about getting stuff, getting things done. Did you, uh, did you have a vision that this would become a phenomenon? No. Damn. 
<laughs> go on. I say you did. Go on. <laughs> no, I, I, I really didn't. I mean, there was there was a business strategy that said at some point um, along the line, uh, I had a bunch of you know trusted advisors uh, just say, "Look, David, you need to write a good business book about all this." And somebody else said, and you need to create a website with your signature and get the brand out there. And this was 1996, 97. So I said, okay. So those are the two basic strategies that I decided. By that time, I'd spent 20, 25 years finding out the methodology really worked. And so once I had that, since I, I needed that kind of confidence, I couldn't just go brazenly out in the world and say, ta-da, and I'll fix it if it's wrong. I had to make sure it was right. So I had to get to that point myself personally to, to where I knew absolutely without exception when people applied this methodology, it worked and how to describe the methodology and that I'd spent enough thousands of hours actually up, you know, implementing the methodology. So it was bulletproof. So, so, I, so, my, so, so up until that point, sorry, up to that point, what you, your business was what? It was one-on-one training and coaching about this with individuals as well as okay. taking the methodology into, you know, a lot of it up into that time was in actually at one point I was challenged to take that methodology, put it into a seminar or an educational format, which then worked very well, at least for to, to, to support a boutique kind of consulting practice for myself and, and, and training practice for myself. I was doing that inside of organizations, but again, I hadn't really discovered how unique it was and what was unique about it. So, as I say, that's why I say it took me 25 years to figure out what I'd figured out. But I was out there really doing this in real time. You know, writing certainly was not my day job. You know, so this was, it was really about at some point I said, okay, it's time to write the manual. And I felt that I was comfortable enough to write a manual about 25 years of experience about something that I really knew was absolutely true. And I had no idea how much of the world would salute yes or no about this. I said, let me just raise the flag and see. You know, I had no idea because at that time, and this is when I started writing the book was 97, took four years from the when I pulled the trigger to actually get it out. Uh, you know, there was such a noisy market out there in terms of time management, personal organization, productivity. I mean, my God, was, you know, gazillions of books and models and apps and software and all, all, all sorts of stuff were out there in that world. So I just said, look, I just need to get it out. So in case I get run over by a bus, at some point, somebody will figure this out. But meanwhile... In case I do, somebody could pick this up, and hopefully they could then walk themselves through it. Okay, so, so I was so you're right, you're, even sure I could get it into a book because it's such so an experiential process. You know, I wasn't even sure I could translate it into some sort of virtual medium like that. So you wrote this book, uh, and at at some point, uh, something you, it got traction. T- tell us about the point where you've gone, uh, if you've tapped yourself on the shoulder and you've gone, Dave. Something's happening here. Yeah. When was that point, and and what was it like? I think that point first. Th- there were a couple of of, of um, key points there, like as you described. One was when it first came out in '01. It got some pretty immediate traction through the press that it started to create, and the press that started to sort of create around me. First of all, there was some press already because um, just through strange iterations of other things. Uh, Stuart Alsop, who was writing for Fortune, a column at the time, ran into one of my seminars and wrote a cool thing about it, got on the radar of Fast Company. Fast Company, Fast Company wrote an article about me. Nice. So I was getting press that you couldn't buy. Mm. It was like fascinating. It just it just was the message 
seemed to be the right people at the right time seemed to be hearing what I was talking about. And it was striking a nerve uh, for at least certain sophisticated folks in the business press. You, you didn't chase that PR. So people were actually, uh, journos from Fast Company or from those magazines were, were actually finding it themselves. And all of a sudden, yeah, that's gold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, you couldn't have orchestrated, uh, you know, I couldn't have planned this at all. I, you know, I was in part of a, a software startup that was trying to digitalize this process. And so Stuart also was part of a, a venture capital company, a firm that was looking into potentially funding this thing. And so doing due diligence, he came down to do a seminar with the guy who had created the IP and he went, oh my God, this is great. And the next week he had an article or a column due for Fortune. So he wrote about the seminar and that, and then that three paragraphs that he wrote glowingly in Fortune hit Fast Company's, you know, radar, bam, 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 bam. And so stuff started to spin and roll in that way. So I had that kind of going as background. And then once the book got written, you know, I had some, some, you know, really, really nice, uh, you know, good things happen in terms of people reading it and, and getting some good press about it. And that was sort of the initial, but in hardback, and by the way, the Viking kept it in hardback for two years because if it's selling anything over 60,000 books in the U.S. in a year is considered a bestseller in the business market, in the, in the non, uh, you know, nonfiction market. So it, it, it certainly it passed that number. And so they said, well, let's keep it in hardback and, and so forth. But the, probably the real bounce happened in, in, in 2003 when they decided to then go to paper because when this goes to paper – you know, the difference between a hardback and a paperback is huge in terms of people go, oh, my God, all my staff need this. And so they won't go buy hardbacks, but they'll go buy paperbacks. Just psychologically, they think paperbacks are much cheaper, which they generally are. And so they go, so suddenly they spread that way. And guess what happened about 2003? Blog. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Life hack and all that stuff. So the whole explosion of the, the sort of tech world. I mean, mine was the first non-tech meme that spread through the tech world, you know, like wildfire for lots of reasons. I wrote about that in my last book, Making It All Work. Why? I had a you know, a good bit of a, of a chapter called why this thing hits such a nerve then, especially within the tech community, because the tech community, the whole com the whole industry is is wired to do what I do, which is how how do we utilize cool tools and techniques and tricks to make to allow people to get a lot more done with less effort. So the industry is wired to that to begin with. Tech people are almost as lazy as I am, so they'll resonate to that. Uh, mm -hmm. And also, what my methodology did was it, it gave them a methodology that actually turbocharged their own gear and actually gave them a reason to use it in a much more powerful way and they didn't have to change their gear. So, so all, you know, those were some of the key factors there, but that then took off like crazy. So suddenly how much press I was getting in the tech world became press itself. So the press fed on itself in a very positive way. Oh, wow. Who's this guy and how come that happened? I mean, Scoble and other people were starting to do that, you know, starting to, to hook into that. So, I, you know, I don't know. I couldn't have planned this. So this was not a conscious effort on my part. You know, what was true was I didn't care when I started. I said, it's important that this get out. And I need, and I had such trust and integrity in the information that that was my, that was my, that that's what I came out with. And I think, you know, one of the factors may be that, that you know, people pretty much, I, I think, at least subliminally caught, there, there wasn't a whole lot of ego in my process here. It was just, it was really about, look, I don't know who's going to buy into this or whatever. I just know this is true. And, it, you know, it took me 25 years to figure out that it actually was unique what I'd figured out. 
and just to get it out there. So I don't know if that really answers your question appropriately, but that's that's what shows up to Anthony, you know, inside of my head. David, a lot of people, as you're saying, have, have really um, taken on GTD and, and, and many have even, um, I guess, added their own personal touch to it. You know, there's Zen to Dunn, there's Merlin Man. Um, it, were you ever concerned about um, the, the control over the brand? Was it, was it um, Daily. other people taking this, this on? Was Daily. It? Daily. <laughs> Daily. Are you kidding? You know, I, I can't tell you how many things today I just had to root to our legal people. Go, okay, guys. You, you, oh, really? These guys a letter. Uh, uh, there are last. There are probably over four hundred software apps that have shown up. They're get, I'm getting about three a week now that show up. You know, using GTD. By the way, if you really want to do GTD, go do this. You know, and it's 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 not a concern. Meaning, you know, I wouldn't have written the book if I didn't want the information out. The concern is whether people didn't misrepresent themselves as a representative of what we do, and that's not really what we do. So they they can screw up the the brand itself simply by, you know, creating less than optimal you know information, you know, or processes you know promoted that are not what this really is. So you know that well, you run the danger of GTDs become the generic for getting things done. It's like Kleenex or or you know um, Hoover. You yeah. know, it's, it's it's so then all of a sudden your brand becomes the kind of category generic and you, then it becomes harder to manage. Sure. But, I mean, how many people would give a significant body part to have that problem? Right? <laughs> Correct. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, count my blessings. And hey, why haven't you gone and um, why haven't you gone and registered or not registered bought uh, the domain getthingsdone.com, which is parked and obviously someone wants an extraordinary amount of money for it. Is that right? Oh, believe me, how many iterations of this in how many countries and how many of the different domains yeah. do you think it could go? Let's call it at some point you go, give me a okay. break. You know, yeah. at some point we just have to know that people know who we are and know who the source is. So that's our prime driver on this. And then all the rest we just have to do as best we can to make sure that there's no egregious, you know, uh, um, um, you know, violations of something that just in terms of best practices and, and in terms of just the ethics of the business as, as well as just, you know, our protection of the brand. Because the people who really buy into GTD, who really get it and really want to get it, you know, in all integrity, I can't, I have to be very careful about what they, what they think is GTD because that's, you know, it's not about a piece of software. It's not about a piece of hardware. It's not about any of that. It's about a thought process. It's a, way, it's a way of life. <laughs> Absolutely, you can't you can't technology your way out of out of this. I have tried. Oh really? Damn! <laughs> I can't buy a tool that actually does this. It takes self discipline and and David's process. David, um, I mean, this started off as as a process, a methodology. It's become it's become a movement for some people. It's almost become a religion. Did you do you ever turn around and pinch yourself and and and, and wonder how it got so big? Uh, yes and no. I'm, I'm bemused by it, but I know the foundations and the fundamentals of where this came from are very powerful universal principles about how we operate as human beings and sort of why we're on the planet. So the essence of what sits behind this, which is sort of manage your agreements with yourself, understand who you are and what your agreements with yourself are, and how do you keep track of that and manifest those things in the most appropriate and elegant way, that goes pretty deep. And, and you can. And, and so GTD is simply a way to format the right questions at the right time about that so that some part of you feels appropriately engaged with that. So understanding the depth of what that may touch to 
there's no surprise that it has universal appeal at some subliminal level. And people will take it at whatever level they want to take it. Some people just go with the two-minute rule. That was great. That was worth the price of admission just to do things that I can do in two minutes. And the rest of their life, their, their life will actually be improved. So I don't really care in one sense that people understand or know or grok, you know, sort of all those subliminal or sublime relationships about what this is all about and where it comes from. It's just that it works. It's like gravity. You can't fight it. It's called, hey, I'm sorry, you get stuff out of your head, you'll feel more in control and more focused on it. Go prove me wrong. You can't. Right? So if you want more control and more focus, hey, keep a pencil and paper handy. Dump everything down, you know? And then, you know, then all I did was describe the behaviors that then get you on top of all that. And I, I, I really knew that worked. But again, because I'm Mr. Lazy, I am the laziest guy in the universe. Come on. I'm... I'm, I'm I'll, I'll challenge you on that. <laughs> uh, but how, many, how many thoughts have you allowed yourself to have twice? Far too many. Oh, that's not lazy, is it? That's quite active. That you are not the laziest guy in the universe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'll give you that. Thanks, Mr. Lazy. Um, tell me, when, once you got that book out and it, it did get traction, I'm just coming back to the marketing. I'm now looking at some of the things that have come from the book. You've got podcasts, you've got a newsletter, you've got webinars, coaching services, public seminars. You probably do keynotes. You've got workshops. You know, the list goes on. Was there, um, did one follow the other? I'm just interested in that kind of product funnel and how you chose it what to do. After pretty much market, market driven and driven, you know, sort of with some level of combination called what did I want to do? And Catherine and I, you know, wanted to do with our own life and our, and how we related to this, the, to the business we were doing. So as soon as we said, we made it, we, there was a fork in the road where we said, should we just keep this boutique and just have it the David Allen show? And, you know, and we could have had a comfortable way to live our life with that given the success of the book and so forth coming up. And we said, or the world is banging on our door for this. It's a universal model that will improve lives everywhere. The more anybody understands any of this and starts to apply it, are we willing to go that route? So we said, okay, we will be willing to take this as big as the world wants it. So then trying to build an organization and a, and a structure that could then pay attention to what does the world want? How do we then deliver it to them? So all of these things are, are really about what are, what's needed now as a new distribution model that, that can assist people more. Some people want, wow, I want to stay connected over a long term. Wow, I just want to be able to see this visually. Wow, I just want, you know, whatever. So we're still grappling with, you know, how do we, how do we manage that? How do we, how do we manage that process? So as we speak, by the way, you know, we, we've partnered with some cool folks that are now franchising our basic core seminar model globally. So in the next 12 months, there'll probably be um, an Australian distributor. And, 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 you know, we've been working a long time to try to figure out how do we, how do we get the, the educational model right so that we can sort of hand off, much like in the martial arts, you can have a yellow belt or green belt train a white belt and a yellow belt as long as there's a black belt in the room. So very much in the same way GTD, you guys could then be passing on this, this best practice kind of stuff, uh, you know, in some appropriate way that we can then maintain the quality and maintain the integrity of the information and the, and the education, but at the same time, lower the barrier to entry and spread this a whole lot faster than it, than it 
then it's being spread. So that's that's an exciting opportunity and, and challenge for us. Right we interviewed uh, someone, one of our recent guests, David, is a fellow by the name of Phil McKinney, who um, he's ex-vice president of Hewlett-Packard, who now has a process called Killer Innovations. And uh, he's just written the book, and he's about to do exactly the same thing, which is um, franchise it out. So he's very early on in the stages, but... Uh, you could probably learn a lot from this. I might, I might tweak in this interview, uh, Luke. Yes, I, uh, I was certainly looking forward to uh, some GTD practitioners Correct. coming to Australia, that's for sure. Um, David, thank you so much for joining us on Small Business Big Marketing. I, we always like to ask our guests, who the most famous person you've ever met is? Who comes to mind for you? Most famous person I've ever yep. met. Yep. <laughs> Famous, most famous person I've ever met. It's really. Have you helped Obama with his productivity at all, David? <laughs> no, no, no. I haven't done that. I just just uh, met a, a congressman, just a freshman congressman in the U.S. Oh, that's not famous. Stuff. I know that's not famous. <laughs> Ariana Huffington's a good friend, you know. So she's a big champion of my stuff. So and she's getting her fame stars rising, you know, pretty fast okay. in terms of Huffington Post. So. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Um, who most famous person? No, I'll put not, you on the spot. Really, you know, somehow managed to keep myself under the radar. So, I can sneak in and out. Who was that? <laughs> Maybe it's David Allen. <laughs> <laughs> David, thanks so Thank much for joining us. And, and, and what you've shared with the small business owners in Australia and, and, and the world has been fantastic. And, and thanks for making the time and, and really, um, laying it out in a nice, simple process. Sure. My pleasure, guys. Thanks. Lucas. Timbo. Pretty good interview. Yeah, it was a good one, David Allen. He knows his stuff. He does. We uh, took us a while to get that interview, but um, obviously a very busy man getting things yeah. done. Yeah, good lesson, though. It, it's surpri- He's a busy man. He's a, he's a key person of influence in his field, and uh, just like Harold Mitchell, just like Phil McKenney, some past interviews, I'm... Pleasantly surprised at how many people say yes to being interviewed by a couple of buffoons in Australia. <laughs> in Melbourne, Australia. In Melbourne, Australia, mate. Yeah. Now, here we go, mate. Um, we have got so many emails from so many listeners uh, farewelling you yeah. and, and giving me a little bit of advice along the way. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to read... Um, every part of every email because that would be over the top. But what we will do is um, we're going to go through each one and just pull out little highlighted sections. So, listeners, look, if you're first time to the show, um, go go back and listen to some past episodes because this may bore you. But um, to those who have been listening for a long time, and, Lukey, there's been a few. There are a few. We we have built up a good audience over the years and – some of them have come out of the woodwork for the first time, which is nice. <laughs> we know who you are now. That's lovely. So why don't we start? I've got one here. This would be like um, you know, those charity uh, telethons, you know, <laughs> reading out the donations. Yeah, fortunately, this is this is at the end, so people can turn yeah, off. Correct, correct. So I've got one here from uh, from Laurie Williams. He says, uh, this is very sad news. Timbo without Lukey will be like a day without sunshine. Oh. I hope the podcast keeps going. I do like listening to Timbo, but I think some of the magic comes from having an anti-Timbo to balance the equation. <laughs> yeah, you know, thanks, Laurie. You know, uh, this one's from Wayne Mansfield. Thank you, Wayne. Uh, certainly sad news. If you are looking for a, a new sidekick, I have my hand up. <laughs> 
And uh, not the only one who came through with that. No, the next one, similar one from Clodagh Higgins, actually. Oh. Thank you, Clodagh. When, when are you interviewing for his replacement? Jeez, look, your or, seat, is your seat still warm? Or, or are you going to look uh, at guest hosts? Sorry to see you go, Luke. You would be, be missed. Well done on all your hard work. Beautiful. Clodagh. Yeah, as Tim said, uh, wait until the bed's cold. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Uh, I've got one here from James um, Axia. Sad to learn of uh, Luke Moulton's uh, handing back the keys to SBBM. Got lots of techie gems from Lukey. See ya, mate. Uh, this is from Timothy Schultz. Timbo, how will you find such a well-rounded counterpart oh, to balance things right. out? <laughs> Look, I don't have the Active. answer to it. Uh, what I am doing, uh, because obviously people are asking um, what to expect and what's going to happen going forward. One person who will come to shortly isn't going to be listening anymore, but I can live with that, Luke. I can live with that. <laughs> I might get you on the phone every now and then. But, um, yeah, look, it will change. There's no doubt about it. Um, there won't be a well-rounded person at the other end of the microphone. Uh, there'll be a well-rounded person physically <laughs> at the other end of the microphone. But, um, no, look, um, I, I'm going um, to co-host, have some guest co-hosts. Yep. Yep. Um, you're going to come back. So yep. this won't be your last time on no. Small Business Big Marketing. I'm going to do some shows myself and just really get stuck into the interview, you know, let... Yep. Um, let the let the interviewee do the talking. Imagine that. <laughs> oh, Timbo, no, you are a, uh, a fantastic interviewer, so I'm sure the the quality will stop it. Probably even improve. Stop it. <laughs> so, yeah. I've got one here from Barry Groves. He says, "Sorry to see, or should I say, here that Lukey's hanging up the microphone. I enjoyed his humour, spar- sparring with Timbo, and his enormous marketing knowledge delivered in a fun and interesting manner. Is that my enormous marketing knowledge or yours? <laughs> what do you got, <laughs> Sean Sullivan?" Uh, Sean says, who will keep the big oaf under control? Jeez, that's harsh. Who indeed, Sean? Who indeed? Hey, how does he know what I look like? <laughs> Kelly Exeter. Oh, long-time yeah. listener. Good on you, Kel, from WA, from Swish Design. Lukey, you will be missed so much, but having taken a million steps to a simpler life last year, I can understand why. I got a little bit emotional reading that. <laughs> oh, thank you, Kel. Mark Naismith Billy says... Unlike the Beatles or Oasis, your stuff was free, <laughs> but that's still about 60 hours of my life that I have gladly and enthusiastically devoted to listening to your show. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Laurel. Laurel uh, was one of our guests. She is um, from La Perouse in Lawn. Oh, Beautiful yes. B&B that I say that. Yes. Good luck with your endeavours. I really enjoy your podcasts. Oh, thank you. Lara Fowler, sorry to hear you're loving SBBM. I really enjoyed your input and experience. You bring balance and bring Timbo back on topic. Jeez. That's nice. That is nice. Thanks, Lara. You are. You do. You, you do bring me back. You're like my You're like my second. You're my wife, but the second wife, and <laughs> not in a kind of funny way. <laughs> so, uh, Pete Williams, Pete Williams, Preneur Cast, another podcast that I know some of our listeners listen to. Uh, well, I will miss your voice during my runs, that is for sure. Just promise us you won't release a scandalous tell-all book about your time with Tim. I promise nothing. Yeah, <laughs> release it. Be good PR. Uh, have you run out? I've, I've oh, run out. I've kept some because they're kind of about you. Um, so this is from um, Tia M. And Tia says that your needs should come first. A, bit of, a few people said this. Your needs should come first and we'll look forward to any surprise cameo appearances to add your sage and subtle observations to the subject matter in question. Thanks, Tia. Thanks, Tia. 
Travis, Travis says, um, I will miss your how to do, I will miss your how to actually do it explanations. <laughs> there you go. You are the mechanic, aren't you? Yes. You get under the hood. Uh, David Nayans, I respect your decision as a young father, as he's one himself. Dave's from Canada. Um, Heather Smith, long-time listener, often on, on the tweets, yes. is young Heather. Thanks for your support, Heather. Absolutely. Please say it's a sabbatical, a break, an extended holiday. Lukey, you're awesome and amazing. <laughs> wow. Oh, hey. Shucks. Thanks, uh, Tom Dickinson. Uh, I can certainly appreciate your reasons in making this life change and most importantly, weighing up time with family. It will be, it's still disappointing news as a listener of the show. He goes on to say that I got the impression that you guys were just starting to get some momentum and hopefully starting to generate a living from it, Luke. Mm. So uh, that's interesting because a lot of people think that. Yeah. And um, it was always our intention to do that. Uh, and it will be my intention to continue to try and do that. Yeah. But, um, Podcasting's been an interesting medium in that sense because it's um, well. You got a point of view on that. What is it? Yeah, I think well, there's a couple of points of view. I personally, I don't have I don't have professional services that I want to sell to our audience, mm-hmm. which is um, I, I guess it's certainly a good way of monetizing a podcast. You do in a way, Timbo. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you certainly do some consulting. You certainly do some speaking. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, and probably one of the things I could sell our audience is to go off and make info products. Mm-hmm. Right now, I don't have time to do that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I guess I. Um, I, I do actually take a, a day off a fortnight to spend time doing this mm. uh, from, from my my full time my full time gig, and um, that you know that that has that's meant a sacrifice, a small uh, you know small but not insignificant. There's an opportunity cost. There is an opportunity that. cost, and and look, this this is certainly been fantastic for personal profile. Uh, helping small businesses out has been absolutely wonderful. But at the end of the day. Um, my return on investment for that very small amount of time that I have um, to, 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 to work on other things, yeah. um, it, it's not been, certainly not been a, a high ROI. Correct. For that Correct. Uh, for, for financially, time. but from, a other, from other points of view, social, personal brand building. Yeah. High ROI. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, look, you know, this has introduced us to some fantastic and wonderful people. Unbelievable. Um, and, and, yeah, certainly been some great for, for personal brand. And hopefully a lot of that content will continue to live on. So it's not it's yep. not like it's being uh, – the tap's been totally turned off uh, and I'll be back occasionally. So, yep. look, it was it was a tough decision um, and not mm. one I took lightly. Mm. And um, Tell you what, though, you know, we've, talk, we've said a couple of times, like – Listeners, I mean, we've still got more emails to read, but they've come out of the woodwork. And one of the things with podcasting, as you say, it's not an immediate medium. You're listening to it while you're jogging in the car. You're not necessarily by a computer ready to interact with with the people who are doing the podcast. Um, one thing just this week we've put on the website is you can now leave a voicemail message. Um, and I would encourage people to do that, both for this show and other podcasts. I mean, this is just a bit of a, a podcast rant, generally. Podcasts aren't going away. Mm. They're going to get bigger and bigger. People are going to learn, more and more people are going to learn how to access them and just the power of what's out there in terms of information that they can listen to there in their own time. So interact, engage with the people who are producing the podcast. I think it's a really big one. Yeah. You know, and I know we can't tell the listeners what to do, but I just think, you know, it's it's one of the beautiful things about the medium is that you can do that. So Yeah, look it is it is a fantastic medium for for marketing Timbo. But I guess in a way, interestingly, we haven't really had a lot to market. Mm. Um, yeah. 
So, irony. So, yeah, there, there, there is some mm. irony in that. Mm. Uh, That'll change. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I will be checking over your shoulder from time to time, Timbo. Now, Lee, we've got one here from Zippy. He says he's shocked but just wants to wish you good luck. Um, and he quite funny here. He says, is Tim going to continue on his own or will there be tryouts for a new co-host? Will Tim's yang now wield ultimate power with no yin to restrain it? Will the prof step in to save the day? Tune in next time to find out. Same marketing time, same marketing channel. Love your work, Zippy. Um, Craig Griffiths, long-time listener, he, he actually shared a really nice um, audio file, which we um, have listened to, Craig, and very touching, um, inspired Craig to do his own podcast called Ask, Find, Buy, and uh, Craig's really active on our LinkedIn um, um, forum and great guy, but he just says, you're going to be missed, Lukey. You've inspired people uh, more. You've inspired more people than you realise and have made the topic of marketing approachable. Um, he has no doubt I'll take care of the SBBM legacy. Well, <laughs> time will tell, Craig. Thanks, mate. Um, we've got one from Eric. Um, best wishes, Lukey. Great show. Uh, nothing. One door opens, another door closes, that type of thing. Annie here. She's on the beach somewhere, somewhere overseas, American phone number, and she's just waiting on my call to be a co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Annie, and goodbye, she says to you, Lukey. Um, thanks, Annie. Um and uh, James James Tabberton, long-time uh, listener as well. Lukey, I'm not sure here. I don't know, I don't know James's sense of humour. Um, he wanted to listen to the last episode before he replied, given uh, the email he received that we sent out to our listeners uh, saying that you were leaving the show. Um, seriously, here's the point, here's the, the little line that got my attention. Seriously, though, I don't really want to listen to the show with just Tim banging on like he does. <laughs> Now, listeners, listeners, Timbo, uh, despite despite external uh, w- what he puts out externally, he's pretty sensitive. So be gentle with him, <laughs> please. But he goes on to say, uh, "Job well done," basically. So um, that's it, mate. There was lots of action on the Facebook and Twitter. Yep. And uh, you can go and read that. I will indeed. I've read. I've read a lot. <laughs> you have. You've responded to all of it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Timbo. I'll miss you, Lukey. It's not the end. It's a little sabbatical. You'll be back. I wonder what episode you'll come back and who the guest will be. Gotta be. We've got to do a big one for 100. We'll do a big one for 100. Yeah. I'll think about inviting you back for that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, who, who, who would be, who, who'd be a big... Who'd be a big draw card for you to come back? Not that you need a draw card to come back, but you're like you're going to come back every now and then. I've, I've Who rec- would you love? I've recommended a couple to you already. Yeah, you have. I'd love to interview uh, Noah for AppSumo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you just put me in touch. We just show me a video, which is very uh, funny. Vino Mofo, the guys yeah. are doing some fantastic things around branding. Oh, look, anyone who does stuff online, Timo, you know where you know my soft points. I do, I do. All right, mate, Lukey, it's been a pleasure. You're a great mate. Okay, get emotional. <laughs> <laughs> big breath, big breath. Go on. Big breath. <sighs> Suck it in. You're a good mate. It's the reason the show's been so good from the start. Uh, you know, it really has. You have been my yin to my yang, and we're very different people, and I think we've done had a lot of fun. And I don't see it as the end. I am sad that it's finishing, but big breath. Oh, Timbo. Come on, mate. Uh, we'll, we'll just have a big uh, bloke hug. <laughs> <laughs> sometime very soon. Yeah, before show 100. You know, like we've got, we're at 80. So yeah, like. Uh, 20 out. 
20 out. Anyway, Love your work. You too, mate. All right, mate. Cheers. See you next time. See ya. You've just come that little bit closer to getting your business booming thanks to the Small Business Big Marketing Show with Tim Reed and Luke Moulton. Please keep in mind that the information, opinions and ideas expressed in this show are those of the hosts and interviewees and theirs alone, and they don't necessarily reflect those of their past, current or future employers.